0: Different times for different reasons, right? Um, for some odd reason, I don't know how many of you have this same fear that I have, but I I'm not a fan of the dark. Um, I've never been a fan of the dark. Uh, when I was a kid, I remember um, my brother and I we would we, we shared a, a bedroom, and so um, I think he knew that I was afraid of the dark, and he wasn't. But uh, his his bed was right next to the light switch. Okay. So he could lay in bed and just go blink and it's fine, right? Well, he, he made this rule. I guess he's bigger than me because he can make the rules. Um, that every other night I had to turn off the light. Well, for me, my, my bed was on the other wall and it wasn't that big of a room, but it was, I still had to go over here, turn the light off. And then run like crazy and take a leap and boom, into my bed, right? And uh, so so I got really tired of that. And of course, my brother would laugh at me all the time. You know, he was afraid of the dark. So one night I, I, I figured out that I was going to conquer this by by rigging up the, this this elaborate deal where I, I took a string and I taped it to the light switch. And then I ran that down to the, the doorstop. So that I I could then put the string all the way over to my bed and I could lay in my bed, cover myself with my covers because of the monsters. And then I could then pull the string. It would open the door, which I need to have the door open at night too. And then when the door opened, gradually it would pull down that switch and the light was off. Isn't that amazing? It actually worked. It actually worked, but my brother was making so much racket that as soon as I did that, my dad burst into our, our room, turned the light on and says, what's going on here? So then I had to, you know, get up and turn the light off myself again. Anyway, that's, that's a free story. Okay. But just to tell you, not everybody is, is comfortable in the dark. And one of, one of the aspects of, of, uh, old times and Bible times is that most people were afraid of the dark. The dark represented evil and nothing represented evil more than water, deep water, big ocean or a big lake or whatever, because, you know, as much as we like to go and camp out on the beach and, and get catch a few rays and things like that, and we think that's really calming to them, it wasn't. When they looked out on an expanse of water, as beautiful as it was, in their minds, they were thinking, that's a bad place. Because in the depths where it was really dark, that's where evil lurked. Okay? And it's reflected in the Scriptures many, many times that, uh, that in the depths of the, the darkness of the sea or the ocean or the, those deep waters... Uh, it reflects something that causes fear in people. Well, the one we want to talk about today is uh, something that Jesus said, and we'll get to that in just a little bit, uh, but just a little backstory: Jesus is with his disciples, and this story is actually found in Matthew and also in Mark. We're going to look at the Gospel of Mark today. So if you have, have your Bibles or your Bible app, you want to open to Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 48. Now this was right after the feeding of the 5,000. Now that was a big event. There were over 5,000 people. We know that there were more than 5,000 because they would just count the guys. They didn't include the girls or the, or the children. So there could have been ten, fifteen thousand 15,000 people there. We don't know. But we know there were at least a minimum of 5,000 people. And during this event, of course, Jesus uh, took couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish and, and distributed them among the people via the the disciples. So the disciples, I don't, you know, I don't know how this, this happened. I mean, you think about being one of the disciples and being given a little hunk of fish and a little hunk of bread and it said, go out and feed these people. And they're going like, okay. And so they do it. And as they're doing it, it just keeps getting multiplied. And what's ever in their basket just keeps on growing and getting bigger. And and I imagine at some point they got a little euphoric and said, whoa, this is really cool. And then they just kept doing it and doing it. And when they were done, of course, they had, what, 12 baskets full leftovers, right? So leftovers to take home, have some later, right? So after this event, and it must have been tiring, Jesus, he was preaching and teaching, and and he performs this giant miracle. And the disciples, I don't know if you've ever been one of the guys on the end of a spoon in a food line. Can you imagine Bob feeding 5,000 people or making 5,000 hamburgers, right? I mean, you'd be standing in that line for a long time. I mean, you just do the math. Every person that comes through, it takes, what, you know, 30 seconds or 5 seconds or 10? But 5,000, that's a long day. So after this event is over, we come to this event that we're going to talk about. It's in chapter six and it begins at verse 45. It says immediately after this, now no, no break, no break, right? It's just like go from one thing to the next, no time out, no, no rest. So immediately after this, Jesus made his disciples, I love that, <laughs> he made his disciples get back into the boat. And head out across Lake Beseda while he sent the people home. And afterward he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Now, during the night the disciples were in their boat out in the middle of the lake. Now, according to the maps and things like that, that would have been about three or four miles out. Okay? This is a big lake. So they're rowing in this boat, or maybe it's got a little sail on it. I don't know which one it was, maybe a little bit of both. But they're three or four miles out into the lake now. You get that far out, you probably can't see land anymore. And so they're they're out there. And, uh, and so they're in the middle of the lake, and it says Jesus was alone on the land. And he saw that they were in serious trouble. Now, I don't know about how your eyesight is. Um, I wear glasses. I started, you know, after I, after I was about 30 years old, I had to start wearing glasses. And I'm not near, I'm farsighted. But to see three to four miles out into the middle of the lake when it's dark. Now, it might have been a full moon, I don't know. But, you know, that's, that's a far piece to see. Right? So Jesus, He, He must have these fantastic eyes. But He's looking out and He sees them sees that they, it says here, were in serious trouble and they were rowing hard. Oh, there's the, there's the answer, rowboat, okay? They were rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. It was about three o'clock in the morning, it says there. He came to them walking on the water. And he started to go past them. One, one translation says he intended to walk by. Now, that's just interesting to me. That here, you know, it's three and a half, four miles out now. The normal speed of walking is what, three miles an hour if you're walking fast? And we're talking about waves and wind and, you know, Jesus must must have gotten all wet. And he's walking on the water, going out there. Can you imagine walking like three miles on the water? Wow. Okay. So it must have taken him a little while to get there. So he sees them he takes off walking on the water he gets there and he intends then to walk by that was he says it was his intention and and so then they look and they see here they screamed in terror thinking he was a ghost now you don't normally anticipate the fact that that anybody's me walking on the water right Let alone in the middle of this storm and it says that thinking he was a ghost, they were all terrified, makes sense, when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once. And this is what Jesus says. It's all right. I'm here. Don't be afraid. Now, he probably didn't say it like that. He probably said, hey, it's okay. I'm, a, I'm here. It's me. Don't be afraid. Cause he had to yell over the wind, right? Okay. The wind, the waves, and they were terrified. Now, I don't know how well you listen when you're terrified. Right? I mean, it, it's, it's so funny. One time, my, my son, he, he slipped my, they were racing inside the house and they, they would wave a wood floor and, and my, my son, he was making a corner, didn't do it very well. He slid right into the corner. He, he cut his, his uh, shin really, really bad. And my daughter, my daughter, you know, she's the older one, she just started running around in circles, just screaming, you know, just terrified that my my son was was probably going to be dead or something like that, you know. She is... So you can imagine these disciples all in a boat, I don't know what they're screaming, but they're all screaming, they're terrified. Usually when we're terrified, there's a physical reaction and we aren't really thinking rationally at that point, right? And so... They're screaming. They're terrified. I'm sure Jesus had to maybe speak a little extra loud, but his his comment is just interesting. Hey, it's all right. It's all right. Don't be afraid. I'm here. I'm here. So that takes us then to us, Jesus, and we know that he's the the, the God of miracles. We know that he can overcome everything. We know a little bit later he gets into the boat and everything just calms down. Right? And it says then they were like really terrified. Because he has command over the wind and the waves. Now this is also uh, recorded in Matthew and in that passage of course we know that, uh, who was it, Peter? He asked to get out of the boat, went out, and then he sank. Because he, he his faith wavered a little bit when he saw the the wind and the waves. And Jesus said, eh, you know, lack of faith. Come on. Let's go back and get in the boat. Okay. But the bottom line is that we all, as Christians, are called to live. And we talked about this last week. We are left here on planet Earth. Jesus intended not to take us out of the world, but to leave us here. And we are here as a witness to who Jesus is, what he's done for us, what he's done for mankind. And we are to be witnesses, right? We're to be witnesses. We're to be the people that go out and speak about how great Jesus is, how much he's done for us. And yet, I don't know of hardly anything that strikes fear in Christians more than having to share your testimony Speak in public, even if that public is just one other person. I remember in high school, way back in the 60s, they had these Christian tracts. They were like little cartoon booklets. And they had, you know, a little story about somebody who, who was, was gonna go to hell unless they accepted Jesus. And, and, and so then you would take this tract and you'd give it to your friend and you they would hope, hopefully they would read through it. And then it was a little prayer that they would pray at the, pray at the end so they could accept Jesus and go to heaven. Right? And I remember that, that we had these times when we said, oh, we're, we're gonna buy a bunch of these tracts and we're gonna go out in public and we're gonna hand them out. I was scared to death to do that. Right? I didn't want to talk to anybody. I mean, they, they might react in a negative way. They might think I'm just a Jesus freak or whatever. So there's a lot of fear to open our mouth and to speak a good word about Jesus or to invite someone to come to church with us to, to learn about, about God and about what Jesus has done for us. We have this fear. inside. What, what are we afraid of? What, what is that situation that, that causes that kind of angst to to pop up in us? Well, I want to kind of direct our attention to a few things here that we are normally afraid of. And actually, the Bible speaks to them. It's very contemporary today. All right. Here we go. One of the things that we are afraid of is conspiracy theories. Does that sound relevant today? All right. There are conspiracy theories all over. But very interesting, in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 2, says this, Do not call conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. You see, see, there, there is something that's to, to be inside of us because we are followers of God. And now God, in the, this is in the Old Testament, when he didn't indwell everyone personally, like he, he does now through his Spirit, And we learned last week, you know, God is with us. He is inside of us. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. So what do we have to fear? And so somebody spins this weird story that something's going to happen. And then we get a little upset about it. We get excited, maybe a little bit afraid. And then we're sitting at home all afraid in our little bubble because of something that somebody said that may or may not be true. And we let that control us. We let that cause us fear. When in reality, even way back, thousands of years ago, it was happening. Hey, there's a rumor going around that such and such is happening. (gasps) Oh no. Right? There's going to be a terrible shortage of toilet paper. You better, you better go grab all you can get, right? Okay? And what do we do? We panic! We panic! And then we respond the way the world responds and, and we shouldn't operate that way. Another one is, is we're afraid sometimes of humiliation and disgrace. This was my problem when I was gonna go out and hand out tracts. I was, I was afraid to be humiliated. Someone make fun of me. Right? But here in Isaiah, Chapter 51, verse 7, and then 54, verse 4 says this, Do not fear the reproach of men or be terrified by their insults. The other one says, Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth. You know, one of the reasons that, that a lot of people don't share their faith is because of their youth. I don't know what you were like when you were a kid. Uh, when you were a teenager, when you were a young adult, uh, maybe, maybe like me, you've done a few things that you really aren't that proud of. And then you you're going to share Christ with somebody, and they remember you when, right? How are you going to be able to share your faith with integrity when you were that person before, right? That could be a humiliating circumstance. And and yet, what's really interesting is that sharing our faith, even in the presence of someone who understands and knows about our past, even our sordid past, should serve as the basis for the miraculous. That, yes, I did that. We're truthful with people. And we can say, you know what? Yes, and except for the grace of God, I would have gone... Further down that path, but God rescued me. You see, sometimes it's our past that is our pathway to the best opportunity to share our faith. That you we can show people a miraculous changed life, right? So don't be afraid of that. Oh some people are afraid of the spiritual forces it says there. In in Jeremiah chapter ten, verse five, it says this is this is funny actually. Like a scarecrow in a melon patch, their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they can't walk. Do not fear them. They can do no harm. See, we get so afraid of those spiritual forces out there. And yes, the de- demonic world is real, right? If we believe in angels and we believe in God and we believe in the resurrection, I mean, there are spiritual forces out there of evil. And yet, the Bible says, you know, that the gods that other people worship, they're straw men. They, they have no power over you. Let I me mean, think about it this way. If God is in you, th- there, is, there is no way that the spiritual forces of evil are going to be able to harm you. God's got you covered. I mean, the winds and the waves, they are, they are wailing away. And in the middle of the storm... All the, there could be yelling, there could be hollering, there could be all kinds of stuff going on, and yet in the middle of it, there can still be peace. Do you know one of the things that, that caused the Roman country or whatever, all the people in Rome, eventually to become Christians? I mean, there was a massive movement of Romans who became Christians. You know why? Because when they were persecuting the Christians, They would literally take them into the areas where they would have these these lions come and eat them and things like that. And they would crucify them and do all kinds of terrible things to them. But in the midst of that persecution, that evil, those spiritual forces at work in the world, they remain calm. And there are so many stories of Christians who even went to their death at the hands of those spiritual forces And because of their demeanor, because of their bravery in the midst of being killed, the Romans, they they elevated bravery above almost everything. They said that these Christians, they're going to their death with such courage, with such hope, with such bravery. They wanted that. They wanted that peace that the Christians possessed. The Christians were the ones who stayed home in the valley when the plague came and they took care of the sick and many of them got sick and died too. But it was, if it weren't for the Christians, there, there would have been very few people left. But, but most of the people in the valley, the Romans, they ran to the hills to get away from the plague. I mean, don't we admire the people in this recent pandemic? We, we admire them the most, the ones who stayed in the hospitals? The nurses, the doctors who took care of the people, right? So, I mean, as Christians, we know that we're protected. We know that even if we die, we have a home in heaven, right? What's the worst thing that somebody can do to us? Send us to heaven? Go for it, right? That's the kind of confidence that God wants us to have as believers. We don't have to be afraid of anything because God is with us. And even if we should die because we do something in the name of Christ. I mean, former pastor here is going to, he and his wife are going to a, a tough, ter- tough area. I mean, Christians get killed over there. And don't you think that they thought of that before they said yes? Yeah. Yeah. How many, how many of us, you know, we're afraid to go across the street to invite somebody to an event? at our church, and yet God wants more from us. He says, don't be afraid, I'm here, I am with you. Don't be afraid of those spiritual forces. Um, Another one is, don't be afraid of losing your your home or your loved ones. That was a very real possibility during Jesus' day. Early Christianity, people were persecuted. Their homes were taken away, they were burned, and families were split, right? Even Jesus said, hey, I I didn't come to, uh, uh, you know, Just bring peace. Sometimes there are going to be families going to be split up over the fact that, so you want to follow me. But it says this in Jeremiah 30 verse 10, it says, Don't fear. I will save you out of a distant place, your descendants from the land of their exile. Matthew 10 says, Don't suppose I've come to bring peace to the earth. I didn't come to bring peace, uh, but a sword. I've come to turn a man against his father, daughter against mother, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. That stuff is going to happen, Jesus is saying. But there in Mark 10, here's an interesting verse. Jesus says, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me, uh, for the gospel, uh, no one will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age and in the age to come in eternal life. I mean, Jesus has seemed to have it covered, right? He says, yeah, you're going to... Yeah there's a possibility that you're going to lose some stuff. And, you know, when your heart is, is transformed, when it's changed, your heart's going to be transformed from, from pursuing the American dream to pursuing the gospel message and to pursuing the life of Christ, to be like God in so many ways that it runs totally countercultural. That it's not about how much you can save for retirement, but it's how much you can still do for the kingdom as long as you're breathing. There's a different way to look at life. And understand that that the loss of those material things, it's okay. Because we have so much more to look forward to, right? So much more to look forward to. Another thing that people are afraid of is uh, becoming collateral damage. Uh, Interesting verse in Jeremiah 46, 28, it says this, Though I completely destroy all the nations among which I scatter you, get this, there are nations that God intentionally wants Christians to live in. That He is going to punish. He's going to punish those nations. He's going to. There's certain certain things that are going to be be happening because God God is going to to do business with the nations that are against Him. And He said, "But I'm not going to destroy you. I'm not going to destroy you. You're going to be there, but." You know, you think, well, I could have some collateral damage. What if I was in Uganda when they had all of the, all of the genocide going on? And I stepped in as a Christian to help stop somebody from killing someone. I could be collateral damage, right? How many times during the Holocaust when Christians were trying to protect Jews from what was happening to them? Some of them were collateral damage. Some of them were sent to prison, things like that too, right? Some of them actually died. But you know what? We are not going to be completely destroyed. God is going to take care of us. Another one here is a big one. Don't be afraid of suffering for doing the right thing. First Peter 3.14 says this, Even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed do not fear what they fear do not be frightened. It is a theme that runs through all of Scripture. It's our human tendency to be afraid. things that happen outside of our ability to control. we are afraid. And so God seems to say, don't be afraid. Even in the midst of the worst of the worst storm ever, Keep your faith where it's supposed to be. See Jesus. Jesus is Jesus maybe seems like he's not even there. He's far, far, far away. But no matter how far away God is, he sees what's going on. He sees. See, we we tend to put the limits on God that we have on ourselves. But God sees so much better and so much further away than we could ever dream of seeing, even with a telescope, right? Even with a Hubble, God can see where we're at, what we're going through right now. And you might be in a situation right now, my, my wife just, just got information that one of her good friends uh, has cancer. Now, as soon as you hear that C word, what happens? Right? You don't know when it's going to come. And it's going to maybe affect you or someone that you love deeply and it's a scary diagnosis what are you going to do with that are you going to let it send you into a you know a panic or are you going to then say no now is the time to remind myself remind myself that god is with me and he sees what's going on with me with my friends with my family he's there he knows and he he is not going to turn a blind eye and he is not going to just say, eh, I'll just walk by. No, when he saw that they were terrified, he stepped in. He stepped in. And he did something about it. He calmed the storm. So he, back to the story in, in Mark there. Uh, remember, they were three and a half, four miles from shore and... Um, we we now know that, you know, distance doesn't matter to God. He gets there at the right time, you know, between the time that Jesus saw him and to get there, it might have been an hour, it might have been two hours. We don't know how long they were in the middle of that storm. But God seems to have the right timing, right? The right timing. Now, um, there are moments, there are moments when... Um, Jesus shows up, and and even when he shows up, we're terrified, <laughs> right? Because we have this little thing inside of us that, well, it could happen again. It could happen again. But, you know, when we see God doing the miraculous, sometimes it doesn't even then seem natural. It just seems a little little scary to us. But, you know, that's that's the whole deal. One of the one of the best phrases that I've learned in my lifetime is this: "God is God, and I am not." Okay. One of the, the biggest lies, and it's still out there that Satan tries to propagate, is that you and I can have the power of God. And, and we we try. We try to manipulate things. We try to do things. We try to earn enough money to buy the things or to do the things that we want. We, we want to be God. And yet, it's never going to happen, people. You are never going to be fully in control. Circumstances are going to come up and, and they're going to you know, hit you head on. And you can't do anything about it except one thing. Put your hope and your trust in the fact that God loves you. He died to save you of your sins. He's not willing to do anything less to keep you safe. He knows what's going on in your life and around you, with your family, everything. He knows your future. Trust. Trust and hope is the bedrock of our faith. Right? What did Paul say? If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, we are to be pitied above all people because we have no hope. In other words, you're left to your own devices. But that's not the truth. The truth is Jesus is alive. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Yeah, that one song, I love it because at the end, people are clapping, people are yelling. It's okay to yell in the church if it's a good for a good reason, all right? And one of the best reasons I can think of is that Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He is with us. He is active. He is aware. So we can trust. We have the hope. Faith is believing God. We just need to exercise that faith every day by not being afraid and trusting that He is with us. One of my favorite verses... And I memorized it a long time ago. It says, do not fear for I am with you, right? Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10. Look it up, memorize it. There are moments when you're going to need it, right? Just remind yourself that God is with you. He's aware of you of your situation, and he is there to calm your spirit and give you hope. All right? Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us hope. Um, thank you for being there in the middle of the storm. Thank you for being aware. when It doesn't seem like there's anyone present and the waves are big and scary. Uh, God, we, we trust you. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to people looking in, but we trust you. And we trust you today, Lord, because we know that there are many people here that are facing that kind of storm in their life right now, uh, a storm that creates all kinds of unsurety, um, and we get nervous. And so, God, as, as we become terrified, help us to be calmed by the truth that you see and you are with us and that you want the best for us, you cover us, you protect us. We love you, God. And we thank you so much for loving us in Jesus name. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.